Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this very exciting episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we're putting the business back into the lady business. Today, we have a very exciting guest. I know I say that all the time, but we really do. I mean, everybody's exciting, but like, this is Cindy Gallup, everyone. And if you don't know Cindy Gallup, you will become obsessed with her immediately. So Cindy is the founder and CEO of a company called Make Love Not Porn. Welcome, Cindy, to Taking Care of Lady Business. Thank you, JJ. Thrilled to be here. So tell us what Make Love Not Porn is. This very enticing title for everyone, I'm sure. So why I'm going to let you tell it in your words. Sure. So um, Make Love Not Porn is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. I started it because of my personal experience dating younger men. And we are basically the world's first and only user-generated, human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So we are a very important and necessary complement and counterpoint to porn. If porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the real world documentary. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we're what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express, which it sadly does not. We're a unique window onto the funny, messy, fabulous, loving, comical, hilarious ways we all have sex in the real world. And, you know, and what we're doing fundamentally is socializing sex and making it easier to talk about. And so we call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social. Right, exactly. Because it's been so dirty and we hide it, mm. which is why it's also fantasized in porn. And I love that you always are super honest about it. It's like you know, all these young boys who grow up watching porn instead of like really being served what a real sexual relationship would be like. And so they think that, you know, people are doing helicopters on their penis, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, <laughs> just like... exactly. And, and, you know, as I was saying, JJ, I am my own research lab. Yeah. Because I'm very open about the fact that I date younger men casually and recreationally. I date a lot of them, or rather used to pre the pandemic, you know, my pandemic pod brought it down to one. But essentially, I see for myself exactly how this plays out in the bedroom in the real world all the time. And right. so, you know, I'm especially well equipped to address it um, with 
our amazing videos that basically role model good sexual values and behavior, show you how wonderful, great consensual communicative sex is in the real world and make all of that aspirational right. versus what we see in porn and popular culture. Which is so important. So how does it work? So um, basically, come to makelovenotporn.tv, sign up, take out a subscription. They start at $10 a month, you know, very affordable. And you can watch all of these wonderful real world videos. And if you are interested in becoming a Make Love Not Porn star, as we call our contributors, then you can share your own real world sex videos. And the wonderful thing about that, JJ, is that, you know, our Make Love Not Porn stars find that doing that is as transformative for them and their relationships as socially sharing everything else has been for the world at large. And so, you know, um, a couple months ago, a woman shared her very first um, solo masturbation video with many of those, male, female, trans, non-binary. And, and she said in the narrative um, for her video, she said, all my life, I've been told my vulva is ugly. It's too floppy. It's too this, it's too that. And she said, I don't think it is. And so I decided for the very first time ever, I was going to film myself masturbating and I'm going to share it here on Make Love Not Porn and see what all of you think. And honestly, our community is so amazing because, you know, within like the first 45 minutes, there were all these comments going, oh, my God, you're beautiful. You know, what are they talking about? You are fantastic. We love you. And so she was so moved and and affirmed Mm -hmm by the responses to her sharing this very intimate act for the first time ever. And that's wonderful to see. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're supposed to celebrate everybody's differences, right? It's no different um, sexually, right? And if you're going to learn, I mean, didn't Billie Eilish just write something about how porn like scarred her? I, in fact, have an op-ed in The Independent published today responding to that. And actually, the key point I made there was that the issue isn't porn, it's that we don't talk about sex in the real world. Mm -hmm. Because if we talked about sex, educated about sex, openly and honestly, people would then bring real world mindsets to viewing what is simply performative produced entertainment. But I have to tell you, um, JJ, because um, Billy absolutely talks as well about unrealistic bodies in, in porn. You know, there are so many layers of profundity and importance to what we're doing at Make Love Not Porn. You know, one of which is, um, as you say, we celebrate real world everything. Real world bodies, real world hair, real world penis size, real world breast size. And the reason that's crucial is because you can talk body positivity all you like. Right. You can preach self-love till you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, nothing makes us feel great about our own bodies, like seeing people who are no one's idea of aspirational body types getting turned on by each other, desiring each other, having an amazing time in bed. Our mantra at Make Love Not Porn is everybody is beautiful when they're having real world sex, and they really are. And that's so important in a world where, as you know, all around us in popular culture, we are told every day that we are not hot and sexually desirable unless we are this skinny, six pack abs, you know, look like this. And so our members write to us and say, you made me feel better about my own body. You know, one man wrote and said, my girlfriend and I now feel able to be more open and central with each other because you made each of us feel better about yeah. our own body. Well, and it's so important in this younger generation, like kids, tweens, teens, growing up and seeing that because with social media, right, everything has Ooh. just 
you know, total, like you know, there's so much depression because they feel like they're not adequate. Mm. And then when it's all about mm. sexuality, which is what it is, like sexual, you know, sexual desire. And mm. so I think it's, it's really important what you do. And, you know, you. I love that you're doing it. You've been at it for a long time. I just want to quickly uh, go on the site and say what you did before this, mm. because it all keys into mm. what you're doing. And then we're going to get a little bit more into um, the whole journey of Make Love Not Porn. Mm. No, absolutely. So my background is 35 years working in brand building, marketing and advertising. That has actually stood me in very good stead as an entrepreneur, because I spent 16 of those years working for the same creative agency, Bartle Bogle Hegarty, BBH, all around the world. I'm here in New York because I came to New York 23 years ago to start up their American office for them, which began as me in a room with a phone, starting an advertising agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace. But, um, you know, at BBH, our creative strategy was we don't sell, we make people want to buy. And so I like to say that I've spent 35 years working in the business of getting people to do things they originally had no intention of doing, which stands me in very good stead as, as a founder um, with Make Love Not Porn. And also, um, you know, I, um, as you say, it's been a real battle for 13 years to build and keep Make Love Not Porn alive. I'm about to set out to raise a round of serious funding to build some very exciting new expansion products for Make Love Not Porn. But historically, I've struggled to find investors. And so I have to support myself alongside Make Love Not Porn. And so I work as a consultant and a coach and a public speaker. And the approach I bring to all of that is, you know, I am, I like to work with brands and clients who want to change the game in their particular sector. Mm -hmm. So you come to me for radical, innovative, groundbreaking, transformative. I don't do status quo. And so I like to sum up my consulting speaking approach as I like to blow shit up. I'm the Michael Bay of business. Mm -hmm. And I want to share that with our audience um, at JJ because... Um, me doing that, that line is not a bit of whimsy, a bit of creativity, a bit of fun. I do that entirely deliberately because I'm a great believer in be your own filter. So when I characterize what I do in that way, it attracts to me the people who want what I do. It repels the ones who don't. And I want to repel the ones who don't because of the waste of time, effort and money. <laughs> and so I recommend to every woman, um, you know, Put yourself out there in terms of, you know, project what you're all about into the world. Be your own filter because you will find your tribe by doing that. Yeah. You will attract you the people who want what you stand for and you will keep away the ones who don't and you want to do that. Exactly. And so you kind of hit on the where I wanted to go from there. I mean, you obviously have an amazing career in brand building. And then, you know, you started something that you were passionate about that has purpose and something that you had personal experience, which is what women do when they start businesses, right? But you have had, you know, a pretty tough journey as far as like raising money and, you know, banking and all of that. So I want to get into that a little bit because I know there's a few different layers to that. So tell us about when you first started in and, you know, trying to get bank accounts and raise money. Sure. And I think, I mean, it's great you're asking me that, JJ, because I think um, in my journey and what I've done to solve the obstacles I faced, I think the principles apply to anything any any of our listeners is doing, yeah. actually. So as you say, the one thing I have no idea um, 
about when I embarked on building Make Love Not Porn was that I and my team would fight an enormous battle every single day to grow this business, basically because every piece of business infrastructure any other tech startup gets a take for granted. We can't. The small print always says no adult content. Right. And this is all pervasive across every single area of the business. You know, I can't get funded. I can't get banked. It took me four years to find one bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for Make Love Not Porn. Try doing business for four years without a business bank account. Yeah. Very difficult. Won't tell you how I did it. Did it ways I wasn't meant to, but really <laughs> tough. You know, um, biggest operational challenge is payments. You know, PayPal won't work with adult content. Stripe, who make it easy to take credit cards online, won't. You know, every tech service I need to use to operate my platform, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the terms of service always say no adult content. Um, you know, even something as simple as um, sending out membership emails, MailChimp will not work with adult content. We've been rejected by so many email partners um, until we found SendBridge who would. And to give you some idea of how ridiculous this gets, a couple of years ago, I needed a contract user experience designer. Mm -hmm. I put a perfectly standard job description up on Upwork. 20 minutes later, Upwork took it down and told us we can't advertise jobs there because we are make love, not porn. I mean, that's how ludicrous it is. And also an area of huge frustration, JJ, is that our business growth is also inhibited because we are banned from advertising. Right. You know, we can't advertise on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, by the way, I ask you, as yeah. well as traditionally. <laughs> oh, my and, and by God. The way, I know. And by the way, it's, it's not just us. There's a massively gendered bias here. Any female lens, sexual health and wellness ventures cannot advertise either. Menstruation ventures can't advertise on Facebook. Menopause ventures can't. In the meantime, male sexual health and wellness, yes. erectile dysfunction solutions everywhere. So here's what I've done to try and you know overcome these obstacles um first of all um what i always say to other entrepreneurs and what, what i do myself is when you have a truly world-changing startup you have to change the world to fit it not the other way around and so for 13 years i've been parallel pathing two things working to build make love not porn and working to change the cultural context around it yeah and so to give an example of one of the things I've, I've done in that respect um about eight years ago i decided to deliberately define a pioneer and champion my own category sex tech which was not a thing back then yeah so i literally wrote the definition of sex tech if you google sex tech i'm result one on page one and sex tech is any form of technology or tech venture designed to innovate disrupt and enhance in any area of human sexual and human sexual experience I coined the hashtag sex tech. I didn't invent the term, but I'm directly responsible for propagating the hashtag as widely as it's used today. Mm -hmm. And I began speaking at tech conferences all around the world on why the next big thing in tech is disrupting sex. Because I thought at base level, if I just say this loudly enough, often enough in enough places, people will start to believe it. Mm -hmm. So I basically set out to legitimize my own category, to create a climate of receptivity amongst investors and business partners. And the result today is that sex tech is now an acknowledged legitimate category. You know, if you Google sex tech now, you'll see, you'll see a ton of media coverage. You'll see serious research studies, which I make love not porn, I included in, but I can't afford to access, ironically. You know, so as I said, change the world to fit you, not the other way around. 
And then on the funding front, um, what I've done, and again, this may be useful for our listeners because you can apply this principle to any category where you need to find the right people. Right. So what's frustrating on the funding and investors front is that in the conventional funding world, my biggest obstacle is a social dynamic I call fear of what other people will think. Yeah. <laughs> Which is around sex, unlike any other area. And Something you definitely don't suffer from. <laughs> exactly. And what's very frustrating is I know that my investors are out there. They absolutely are. They are impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. Your willingness to fund Make Love Not Porn is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It is a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality, driven by your own experience. And I have no way to research and target for that. Yeah. Not least because sex is the one area where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks from the inside. The people who look like they would totally get it don't. The people who look like total prudes do. And so I put what I'm doing out there all the time. You know, um, I talk about it across all my social channels. I accept every media interview, you know, and I do that because I have to rely on making synaptic connections that will draw those people to me. And the good news is in the past year, that's been happening more and more. You know, investors have reached out to me out of the blue and said, I saw your post on LinkedIn. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Right. And so, you know, again, for our listeners, Whatever you want to do, absolutely put it out there. I mean, I'm a huge fan of social media in this context because social media makes shit happen. Put it out there, you know, and absolutely be, again, you know, very open, very provocative, very, you know, um, frank about what you're doing. Because when you do that, there will absolutely be people out there that that will connect with and will draw them to you. Right. I mean, so many amazing lessons to be learned here. And yes, it is. It's applicable across the board, especially as women in, you know, raising money and seeing it's like you would think that anyone who went through, you know, teenage years, you know, college that like had horrible sexual experiences or just didn't feel right. Like you would want your children to have a different one to be investing in this, you know? And they're like, look, it's like, you know, for parents in particular, it's like very, you know, yes, it's like not something that any of us look forward to doing and talking to our kids about, but it's necessary because it's happening and Mm. rather happen with guidance Mm. and real understanding of what's going on. Mm. But also, you know, the other thing is, so the, the topic is obviously so important, but it's also like this, you know, about investing, like this needs to be much bigger. Like OnlyFans is massive, you know, Mm. and it's, so on this journey, I mean, look, you've had all this experience and on this journey, um, I mean, part of it is you could have changed the name, right? Well, do you know, here's the thing about that, JJ. So, you know, 14 years ago, when I had the idea for Make Love Not Porn's original version, a little porn world versus real world PSA site, I went, okay, I need to, you know, I need to buy a URL. I need to call this something short, punchy, memorable, Make love, not war, make love, not porn. That's about as much thought as I put into it. Mm-hmm. Little did I realize that today I own the definitive call to action in this arena because every day hundreds of young people hashtag make love, not porn across every social channel and think they're the very first person who ever thought of saying that. And so the benefit, first of all, is that when I say we are make love, not porn, everybody gets it. 
instantly. Okay, everyone knows what I'm talking about. And then secondly, here's the other very interesting way in which our name is enormously useful that also demonstrates, JJ, the huge investment opportunity we represent. Because, as I said earlier, you know, we're banned from advertising. And so um, one of our sources of traffic is organic search. And the fascinating thing about that is that every day, people search for us all around the world without knowing that we exist. And what I mean by that is the top organic search terms that drive people to make love, not porn are make love, not porn, real sex, not porn, make love, not porn, where where people don't know there's a business actually called that. One young man told me that he found us when he Googled porn that is not porn. (laughs) Because he was so fed up with everything out there. He wanted something different. He had no idea what to search for. And when you type in porn that is not porn, you find make love, not porn. And so our name works really well for us in that way. But that gives you some idea of how, with the right level of funding, and by the way, the right level of funding enables us to advertise. Mm-hmm. You'd be amazed how quickly those advertising barriers fall when I write them a big enough check. <laughs> right. So, you know, when I give Facebook a million dollars, you bet they're letting me advertise. So yeah. you have some sense of how much people know they need what Make Love Not Porn delivers, you know, the documentary versus porn's Hollywood yeah. movie. Yeah. So, no, no, no. I mean, that's so basically slow and steady wins the race. Like you created something so much bigger by being true to what this really was, right? The sex tag, you know, the hashtag, like Mm. it's really descriptive, you know, and it might be over a number of years, but there's no such thing as an overnight success as much as people think there is, you know, like Roblox is like now public and, but has been around forever. You know, Facebook has been around for a very long time. No, and in my case, JJ, depressingly, the need for Make Love Not Porn only gets greater with every passing year, as Billie Eilish's comments have just demonstrated. And as we have just seen, while all of these platforms are totally fine bullying people and totally fine with fake news, but they're not fine with something that everybody does all day long from the time that who knows, you know, how like they're teenagers. Yes. Yeah. You know. And, you know, that's perfectly acceptable. We have children walking around. They don't just fucking happen. Okay. There's no stork. So (laughs) um, let's talk about it. All right. So in all of this, and you give such great advice. In fact, one of my quotes I use all the time when people are like, what advice would you give young women? You know, and I always use your quote. um, If you don't really know what to do or make a decision, just think, what would a straight white man do and do that? (laughs) There's a lot of them. You yep. got to follow Cindy, which yep. we'll get at the end. We'll get all of her, her handles, et cetera. But, you know, when women are going through this, other than stuff we've already been talking about, like, hmm. you know, be authentic, be, you know, find your tribe. Like, what are some tactical things that they can do hmm. to not get depressed about, like, you know, how this world treats women hmm. versus men in investing? Hmm. No, absolutely. So um, several answers to that, uh, JJ. First of all, um, you know, and you'll have heard me give this advice before, but I urge women very strongly to bullshit like the men do. Mm -hmm. And I deliberately articulate like that, women, I want you to consciously think to yourself, I am now going to start bullshitting. Okay. Now, I feel very confident telling women to bullshit because no matter how much you think you're bullshitting, you will never ever bullshit at the level men do. 
When you are doing what you think is bullshitting, all you're doing is you are finally talking about your accomplishments and your talents and your achievements in a way that finally does yourself justice. Mm -hmm. So bullshit like the men do, because then, then you talk up a big vision. Right. You know, then you really put behind what you're doing, the power and the conviction that, you know, whoever your audience is, you know, your consumers, your customers, your clients, your investors, you know, that's how they need to hear you talk about um, what you're brilliant at, what you're doing, you know, why they should value you. People value you at the value you are seen to put in yourself. Right. To those of our listeners who are in a job currently who want to rise to the top of the you know corporate ladder or those of our listeners who want to get a new job and this next piece of advice applies in all sorts of contexts but i usually give it um, when i'm talking to people who want to you know accelerate their trajectory up the career ladder so there is one single thing that will propel you into the c-suite quicker than anything else and it's very simply this. I, I like to keep things very simple. I'm a big fan of radical simplicity. <laughs> it's simply this. Understand how your company makes money and recommend ways to make more money. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that will turbocharge your ascent up the career ladder. And as I said, it applies equally to if you are applying for jobs, same deal. Understand how that company makes money and recommend the ways in which you can help them make more money. There is nobody who will not take that conversation. Right. I mean, so two things that women struggle with, we got to just like turn it like no consciously. It's great to like understand that as women, as a gender, we often don't talk about our accomplishments. I have eight year old twins, a boy and a girl, you know, when they were in soccer season, they would play back to back. She'd play on the girls team. He'd play on a boys team. She would win. We'd go, how, you know, how did you do? How do you think you did? Oh, okay. The, his team would lose. How'd you do? We were amazing. <laughs> like a month yes. and a half ago yes I'm yes like, this yeah. is a difference yeah. right yeah yeah to your first point yeah. like if you think you're bragging you're probably just saying your actual accomplishments <laughs> exactly so exactly yeah. right and the yeah. second thing is a lot of women tend to weigh toward money money is scary it's yucky it's daunting there's all these weird terms which Ooh. is one of the reasons why i started this podcast is so we can talk about the weird terms because i had it happen to me with dry powder which is just a word for extra money it's so stupid Ooh. i don't even know where it came from anyway um so stop using these ridiculous terms but it's also like you know, if you are in a job that you don't have a PL, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's, you know, um, PR, maybe it's HR. And then all of a sudden you get in the C suite and you're sitting in these C suite meetings and they're talking about a PL and you're like, I have no idea what that means, you know, and you, you can't ask a man because you feel stupid and you will look and they will, they will judge you for the most part and be like, Oh God, how does she not know that? Well, in the meantime, they've been studying this since they got out of college, you know? So, and it's, yeah. And it, you know, educating yourself, finding that person, finding your tribe, people who will help you and not judge you for it. Those are all like very amazing words of wisdom and sage advice and, um, and gifts that keep on giving if you can turn it around and do that for yourself. Yeah, and also I want to, and again, you've heard me say this before, but on the subject of money, you know, I want every woman to unashamedly set out to make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. And again, I very deliberately articulate like that. I'm, I'm very semantically precise. I'm an English major. I articulate like that because that is how much money I want all of us to make. 
And, you know, I want every listener to this podcast to make that much money, not just for you, although we want that too, but also because when you make an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money, you can use that money to fund other women, yeah, to help other women, to support other women, to donate to other women. You know, I mean, this entire pandemic would have been so different if money had been in the hands of women who would have deployed it in ways that men did not to help all of us. We need to build our own financial ecosystem because the white male one isn't working for us. Right. And so, you know, and you can start making an absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money from the moment you get your first job or, I mean, your first vacation job at school or, you know, whatever. And so, again, you know this, but what I say to women is the amount you ask for is always the highest amount you can say out loud without actually bursting out laughing. And I've been giving women that advice for decades, literally. And honestly, every week I hear from women, you know, uh, they message me through my social channels, they email me, and they say, Cindy, I did it and it worked. Yeah. It works. Yeah. I mean, ask for it and add 20%, you know what I mean? Whatever yeah. it is like, but until mm. you ask for it, don't, if you don't ask for it, mm. you're not going to get it. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and if mm. people are negotiating with you already, they mm. want you to have the job and you'll mm. land somewhere. Yeah. Mm. No, I'm, I, I agree. I agree. And if you can, and you can afford it, then hire people to, to negotiate for you, you know, cause that takes you out of the equation and you can maintain your good cop status mm. and like, but you should definitely, be, you know, consulting other women, finding mm. your tribe, talking about this with, with them mm. for sure. Because I think we all should make a shit. What, how do you say it? A shit ton? An absolute goddamn fucking shit ton of money. Yes, exactly. We all need to make that amazing. And so when you are seeing the, like, you know, women um, negotiate for these things, there's other advice I've heard you talk about too, when you're talking to your boss, which I think is so important about, I think you said um, how there's prejudice against a woman asking for money. Do you know what I'm talking about? So a couple of pieces of advice for women on that. The first is that a negotiation is a business conversation like any other business conversation. And so you should never feel nervous about it because all you are doing is demonstrating the fabulous business skills they hired you for in the first place. Right. You know, they want to know you're a tough negotiator yeah. with vendors and suppliers and clients and customers. So, you know, um, you absolutely want to be a tough negotiator on your own behalf. And I recommend um, to women, you know, if you feel that you are coming up against resistance because you're a woman, then absolutely call it out. You know, say, um, and by the way, you know, I'm demonstrating, you know, the approach negotiation here, that is what you pay me to do with all of our vendor suppliers, you know, whatever your particular job spec is, mm -hmm. reference the fact that you are proving that you are very good at doing what is already part of your job. The other thing that um, I recommend women to do in this context is, you know, consider a preemptive strike. Right. And okay. uh, what that means is, you know, I use the example of, you know, a woman friend of mine um, that I mean, this is many years ago now, but I've, I've always loved this. Um, so she was interviewing for, for a very big job that she very much wanted. And she'd been through all the interviews. It was all looking good. And and she knew that the next meeting was going to be a salary um, negotiation. Okay. Because I think they put a number on the table and she wasn't happy with it. Mm -hmm. So again, by the way, this, this is pre-pandemic way back. So, so all of this is happening IRL <laughs> in, right. in actual meetings. 
And at the time, um, and I remember this because in my women's networks, we were all discussing this, that there was a survey out that demonstrated, um, you know, precisely what you just spoke to, which is that, you know, when men negotiate, everyone thinks they're a strong, confident go-getter. When women negotiate, people like them less. And that's both men and women, yeah. you know, men and women like us less when we negotiate. So, um, so my friend basically went into this meeting and she said, so just before we, you know, um, begin, I'd like to just put something on the table. Um, stud- I'm about to begin negotiating. And studies have shown that the moment women start negotiating, people like them less. So I thought I'd just put that fact on the table, you know, and now let's go. And it was genius because everyone suddenly went, oh my God, oh my God, got to make sure that we are really kind of even handed with this negotiation. Mm-hmm. We not, she did this wonderful preemptive strike that basically made everyone super keen to demonstrate how impartial they were right. and she got what she wanted. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone can say it, but, you know, you know, those are all like obviously amazing pieces of advice. And I think it's like, as we were talking about in the beginning, before we started recording, it's like we use our experience and hopefully this will help women not take mm. as long to get where we were, you know, mm. where we are now. It's like, mm. do it faster, you know, confront the situation, you know, use our examples and what to do and what not to do and go get it. And then let us know and then fund make love, not porn with all the money that you got. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. Um, by the way, if those, uh, those of you who are not actually watching, um, Cindy is wearing a make love, not porn, um, sweatshirt by Lingua Franca, our other friends. So she is a true advocate she is speaks her language. She walks the talk. All of that. Stuff. And, and I can tell you, JJ. I mean, this this sweater, and, and I also have make love porn T shirts, our, our own merch. But they're great conversation starters. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, Ooh, what's that about? And yeah. then I get to tell them all about us. I have yeah. I have no doubt that you have um, many great conversation starters wherever you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're coming to the end of our time here, unfortunately, um, because everyone I know can tell that they could learn a lot from Cindy. I know that I do on a daily basis. But one thing I always ask everyone at the very end is what is the worst advice you've ever received? Sure. So it's very easy to answer that. And I want every woman listening to, to take this to heart as well. The worst advice I ever received was when I met with a VC, a venture capitalist investor, about, in fact, the startup, um, my startup before Make Love Not Porn, which was called If We Ran the World, which I had to back burner when Make Love Not Porn blew up. Um, but anyway, so I was talking to him about If We Ran the World, and he said to me, you know, Cindy, your problem is you're thinking too big. You should be thinking really small. That was the worst advice I ever received. Um, women think big. Okay. And I, I do just want to share with our audience the best advice I ever received. And I can't remember who said this to me, but it was very simply get more sleep. <laughs> and that is that the is best true. business advice I've ever received. Yeah. So I guess you can think a lot more clearly. Oh my God. Amazing. Thank you so much, Cindy. How does everybody find you? So um, I'm at Cindy Gallup on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Cindy.gallop, um, on LinkedIn. And um, also you can find at Make Love Not Porn um, on Twitter and Instagram. And um, our Facebook page is MLNPTV. And of course, our website is makelovenotporn.tv. 
Everyone go out there and be some make love, not porn stars. There we go. A whole new generation starting today. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this amazing episode with Cindy. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.